Hello again, friends, and welcome back. Uh, today, we are going to be doing a session called Pearls of Wisdom. Um, it is not a chapter in the Gita, as all the previous <laughs> ones have been. But I thought that I should basically tell you some of the pearls that I got. Right, Lou? Yeah. Some things that I thought were very helpful to me in helping me, I thought that I should share with our friends and listeners. And the, there are many such pearls of wisdom that all of us will encounter as we study the scriptures, the Upanishads, the Gita, Vedanta, various books there are. I like these. These are, I call these golf tips. When I'm when I've been going through my mindfulness, you know, every once in a while, someone gives you a phrase or just a thought, and it just helps you out. It just advances you. Just yes. little golf tips. And and we may have talked about this in previous sessions, yeah. but I thought I should mention it just in. And I didn't know Lou if I should say pearls of wisdom number one and then number two. And I said I won't be able to keep track yeah, once yeah. we get to be pearls of wisdom number fifteen or sixteen. So <laughs> I said I just call it pearls of wisdom. Right. If you look at it again a second time, won't hurt you. Right. So this one that you'll see in the Gita and the Upanishads and the scriptures is basically saying that each one of us on this earth are looking for two things. Now, I've heard some people talk about the two things that you look for are yoga and kshema. Now, in Sanskrit, yoga means uniting with. It's like a yoke like you put around the oxen, you know, to hold them together. Yep. Uh, a yog is uniting with or acquiring. And kshema means preserving. So the one thing that a lot of people, spiritual teachers teach is that yoga and kshema is what we are trying to do throughout our life. We're mm -hmm. either trying to acquire something, and once you acquire it, say, I don't want to lose it, so you try to preserve it. Right. Somebody else I've heard say that our whole life we spend using acquiring and then enjoying what we acquire, mm -hmm. which also makes sense. Yeah. You acquire it and then you want to. But it's true that it's really probably a combination of three things. You acquire, you enjoy, and then you're afraid that you're going to lose it. Right, yes. So what are those things that you try to acquire and why do you acquire them? You acquire them for three reasons, right? Your body, mind, and intellect. What are you acquiring for the body? You're acquiring sense objects. Mm -hmm. Your body just wants sense objects for the sight, the taste, food, right. smell, ears, touch. Mm -hmm. And what is money? Money itself can't be eaten, can't be smelled, it can't, doesn't look very pretty, doesn't taste pretty, you right. can't hear it. What does it do? It buys you sense That's right. objects. That's right. So yeah. money, People hanker after money, 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 and it's not for the gold or the silver or the diamonds or the dollar bills or the rupees. It really is so that it can buy you sense objects. And those sense objects include comfort of a home, right. air-conditioned house, etc. You say, well, I want it for security. Well, mm -hmm. what is security, essentially? Because the Himalayan monks don't need security. They lie in, the, in a cave. Um, we do that so that we help our self-object, but sense objects. But money doesn't buy you love, right? Isn't there a Beatles song there? Like that? Yes. <laughs> so money can't buy you love. It can't buy you affection. It doesn't do anything for your emotions. So you're also looking for people that have a lot of money, 
say, I don't want anything more. I don't want it. I have all this. What I don't have is love. I would really like somebody to care for me, show me love, show me affection. So that's the other thing that we try to acquire. And that's also an acquisition. And once you get it, you don't want to lose it. That's the shame. When you get it, you want to enjoy it, but you don't want to lose it. And the third thing is the intellect wants power. It yeah. wants fame. It right. wants knowledge. It wants popularity. It wants a position. And once you get it, you don't want to lose it. You enjoy the popularity, the fame, the power, but you don't want to lose it. Right. And what Krishna says in here um, is you just follow the path to spirituality with your heart and soul into it and leave the acquisition to me and leave the preservation of your acquisition to me. Mm. I promise you, you just follow the path of spirituality. Right. I promise you, you'll get rich, you'll get the power, you'll get the fame, you'll get the popularity, and I will preserve it for you. So many people say, ah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but there's many scriptural stories that basically say the same thing. So I just want to make sure I've got yeah. all the things that I... What that means is, as you follow the spiritual path, your mind and intellect becomes laser-sharp and focused. As you follow the path of spirituality, your mind doesn't wander as much. Right. It's on one path. Therefore, success comes easy, so you get more money, you get more fame, you get more popularity, and people love you more because you're easy to love. Right. People offer you positions of power for the same reason. Because like the example that I gave in the last session where you're a factory worker and you're doing your work right. diligently exactly. for the right reason, right. the manager chooses you, everybody likes you because you're not there for your own personal self, you're there for everybody else. Um, money and other sense objects run to you for that reason. You actually have to fight it off because now you don't <laughs> even want it. It's a distractant to you on your path to spirituality. Right. So... There is a story where there was, at the bottom of the ocean, a little pot in which there was nectar. That nectar gave immortality. If you drank that nectar, then you lived forever. Right. Symbolically, that nectar is self-realization. And the gods, they were in heaven, there were gods, and in hell, there were asuras or demons. Mm -hmm. So the gods and the demons started fighting and they realized that there was nectar there. And they tied a rope around it and one end of the rope like tug of war was held by the gods and the other hand was were held by the demons. And they're pulling it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth and this nectar is churning around and around. Yep. And as that nectar is churning around, what comes out of the ocean is beautiful women, pots of gold, silver, diamonds, horses, elephants, so the gods look at it and they say, oh, much as that's attractive, I don't want it. I want the nectar. Yeah. The demons also say, no, we don't want it. Then comes all kinds of other things. Both the gods and the demons reject it. Yeah. And then finally what's left behind is the nectar. So what that symbolizes, the gods and the demons are the goodness and the bad qualities within each one of us. Last time we talked about the desire-ridden actions or the good actions versus the bad actions. So the good in us, each one of us has good qualities and even the worst people have good qualities and each one of us has bad qualities. Right. 
So nobody's perfect. We have good and bad within each one of us. The good and bad within each one of us fights each other on its quest towards becoming a better person, towards becoming self-realized, towards becoming spiritual. As you fight it, as you're starting to win, what happens is first good things come about. Gold, silver, money starts to come to you because the goodness starts to show itself. Right. Then you become popular. People start running to you. Other people start becoming, even attractive people start becoming attracted to you. Whereas before they might have seen you as being unattractive because only the bad in you showed itself. Right. Then comes horses and elephants and things like that, which are also positions of power and wealth. And then if you reject all of that, although it keeps coming, you really are on the path to self-realization and you can get to the nectar. So what Krishna says is, you focus on the good in you coming out and getting rid of the negative qualities. What are negative qualities? Jealousy, Mm -hmm. envy, hatred, uh, greed, anger. All of these things are negative and there's a whole list of them which we can go into if we want. Uh, And the good qualities are compassion, love, generosity, uh, helping other people. All of these are good qualities. If you try to friendliness, happiness, we went over that probably in like session one or two, right Right. in the beginning, qualities of uh, bhakta. Um, In the example above, we sought to acquire to be happy, right? We want to acquire it to be happy. In each of the things we seek to acquire, we think that by doing that, we will get happiness, more sense objects, more love, Mm -hmm. etc. But it actually doesn't give you any of that. You don't get happy. You might get happy for a short period of time. That's the enjoyment. You get acquisition and enjoyment. But then you're afraid that whatever it is that's giving you the happiness is going to cause you, uh, is going to be lost to you. You're going to lose it. Brings you worry. Brings you worry. And that's the shema. shema. But the happiness is short-lived. This is a cycle. And look back and look at our lives, each one of us, as we're listening to this, and we see that our lives are spent trying to acquire, worrying about it losing, getting happiness for a short period of time, but being jealous of somebody else getting more, all of those things. Right. So what makes us happy? So the first pearl that I was trying to get across here that spirit scriptures teach us is get past this whole cycle of acquisition and fear of losing what you acquire. Once you realize it, that alone is important. Right. Um, Self-awareness is important. If you're aware of these things that are working on you, you can deal with it. I gave an example once that my wife had a diamond bracelet, very expensive, and she she thought she lost it. Mm. She was devastated. Yeah. She found it a day later. But during that one day, that shema, the fear of losing it, was so great she couldn't think of anything else. Right. She couldn't think of anything else. She was devastated because she lost it. And then when she found it, there was great um, satisfaction, great exhilaration for a brief period of time. Right. Then she says, i got to put it away so I don't lose it again. She put it away, and she forgot about it. Yeah. She went back to life as it was normally. And I was 
contemplating that, I said, you know, look at how we are as human beings. One whole day, you're worried about something, losing it, and then you find it, say, oh, okay, found it, put it away, thank God, I got it. Now, what about this, what about that? Now yeah. you're back to saying acquisition, enjoyment, and fear of losing. Look at the balance, too. She had one day of worry and um, regret and sadness, and then she put it away. She won't get any gain from that. That is also yeah. true. That, yeah. So, But the point that I want to get across to our friends mm -hmm. is that what causes us anxiety about losing something, what causes? So the first topic of conversation here was the acquisition, enjoyment, and fear of losing. Second is, what really causes us happiness? What causes us happiness? What causes us anxiety? What causes us depression? So happiness is actually a lack of desire. We talked about this in one no. previous session, yeah. but I want to expand on this. Interesting. Not fulfillment uh, of desire, lack of desire. Lack of desire. Yeah. So a poor example, not a good example, is that if I'm hammering a nail and every time I keep hitting my thumb when I'm hammering, yeah. when I stop hammering, you say, oh, my God, that feels so good. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. So, But I'm the one that's doing the hammering, and I keep hammering on my thumb, and every time I say, oh, my goodness, that hurts so much. <laughs> but if I stop, it doesn't hurt anymore. Happiness is exactly that. We are constantly desiring acquisition, right. constantly worrying about losing what we have acquired, and that noise within us is causes the unhappiness. And when you don't have that noise and you don't have those desires, you feel ultimately happy. Because as I said before, we internally, our Atman is Sat, Chit, Anand, which is pure consciousness, pure existence, pure bliss. Without anything disturbing it, you're not cloaking it with anything, the pure bliss comes out. Right. You remember in the story of Alexander, Aristotle said to him, get me a self-realized person. Yes. And he goes there and he says, either you come with me and I'll give you plenty of gold. This naked sadhu was lying there on the leaves in the forest, totally naked, just in total bliss, smiling to himself, looking up at the sun in the forest. And Alexander's general says to him, I'll give you tons of money and gold. And he says, I don't need it right. because I'm happier without it. If I get it, it's not going to give me anything that I don't have right now. I have everything that I need. And I'll, in fact, be worried about having it and then people trying to steal it from me and right. losing it. I don't yes. want it. So that total bliss and happiness is what we are all seeking, but we don't realize it. We think that worldly objects has it and right. worldly objects is going to give it to us. And we mm -hmm. seek those worldly objects. We get them. What we don't realize is those diamond watches, that gold, that car, that power, that fame, that position, that beauty isn't going to give you happiness. The beauty that you have, a slight bit of pimple, and you say, oh, my goodness, it's destroying my beauty. Right. And it takes away from all the pleasure. <clears throat> so... Happiness is, I gave this example too, but for those of you who may not have heard it, when I was growing up, everybody around me used to smoke in India. Hmm. Everybody smoked. There wasn't a single person who didn't smoke, but I was a child. I didn't smoke. I never have smoked. But if you got on a plane 
and the plane flight was like two hours. Yep. And this smoker smoked every 10 minutes. He would be dying sitting next to you. Right. If you were with a companion, an adult who was smoking. When you got in, he'd say, hey, how do you like the plane? Isn't it nice? Blah, blah, blah. But then pretty soon, you'd start to see him squirming in his seat and saying, oh, I wish I could have a cigarette. Right. And you notice that his, his conversation is all about cigarette. When can I have a cigarette? Now they announce that the plane is delayed by another hour or two. Mm. And he says, you're circling around. And he says, I can't smoke. Oh, my goodness. I need to smoke. Yeah. He's miserable, miserable. He comes out of the plane, and the first thing he does is he lights up a cigarette. Right. And the minute he puts it to his mouth and lights it, he says, ah, I'm in heaven. Yes. Now, what exactly was happening to him? He was having a craving for right. the cigarette. There was a, a chemical reaction that when he smokes, nicotine goes into his system. Nicotine is an addictive substance. So you could say, well, it was the physical lack of nicotine that was causing him. That. Right. Yes. But here he just take a puff. It hasn't even gone into his system yet. He right. thinks it's gone into his system. So he's happy. He says, I'm in heaven. He literally says that. I'm in heaven. <laughs> this feels like heaven. Yep. But. The nicotine hasn't even gone into his system, yet he feels happy about it. It's like somebody who craves coffee, right. and there's no coffee. When you get the first cup of coffee and you sip it, you say, ah, this feels so good. <laughs> Caffeine hasn't gone into your bloodstream yet, right? but it's just gone into your lips, and you say, I'm happy. I'm in heaven. It's satiating the desire. That's... Satiating the desire. There's no more screaming inside your head to say, right. I want coffee. I want a cigarette. And he thinks that's happiness. He thinks that's happiness, but yeah. it's the lack of desire that is the happiness. No longer is the body, the mind, the intellect just screaming, cigarette, 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 coffee, coffee, coffee. Right. Because woman, the, woman, cycle, woman. the cycle will continue. He'll smoke the cigarette, and then a half an hour later, he'll want another one. He'll be right. back in the throes of desire again. Yep. So it's the lack of desire. So you may say, people have said, well, that's not really true. It's the fulfillment of the desire that caused him happiness. All right. So I gave you two examples. A cigarette, the nicotine didn't actually fulfill that addiction. The caffeine, when he takes a sip, it hasn't gone into your bloodstream yet because it has to go all the way down to be absorbed. Right. Some gets absorbed over there. But the caffeine hasn't really hit your system for you to say, oh, that feels like <laughs> heaven. Give you another example. Imagine that I'm a parent of a son who's at war, mm -hmm. and he's been sent to the war, and I get news that, you know, your son is missing, mm. and I'm grieving, I'm sad. Yes. And then I get news some years later that he's not, he's been found, he's coming back, yeah. and he's coming back with a whole bunch of other soldiers, and you can come to the military airfield and see him. And I go there, and it's twilight, the light isn't so good, but I see a whole bunch of guys coming out of the plane and walking towards or across the tarmac towards the, to the airport, military airfield. And my son, assuming that he's very tall, taller than the rest of the guys, I said, that's my son, that's my son. It's not, but yeah. I think it's him. Yeah. What happens? I think my desire to see my son in the flesh has been met. Yes. Although it hasn't really, because that isn't my son. I say, oh, I'm in heaven, I see my son. Honey, honey, do you see him? There he is. Oh, yeah, I see him. She's happy too. 
Then as he comes closer, the light falls on his face, and we say, oh, that's not him. Right. And we get depressed and say, oh, where is he? Where is he? Then we see him coming out. We say, oh, now he's, he's, it's him. He's, I'm happy. So what happened? I didn't, my desire wasn't fulfilled. Right. Because it wasn't my son. But I thought it had been fulfilled, so the desire to see him went away, saying, I saw him. I'm happy now. Yes. Therefore, that's, to me, proof that it's not necessarily the desire that needs to be fulfilled. It's the lack of desire that you think has been fulfilled, therefore, out of your system, that causes you happiness. Right. It's the releasing Why? of that desire, whether it's been satiated or not. Yeah. Why? Because it's the desire that clouds your basic Atman, which is Sat Chit Anand. Yeah. Full total bliss. As long as you have desires clouding it, right. you cannot feel that happiness. When you take those desires out of it, then the pure bliss of the inner self shines through. Yeah, you're serving the desire. Right. Yeah. So this the second pearl. The first one was acquisition, enjoyment, and uh, fear of losing what you acquire. And the second one was that happiness is in lack of desire, not fulfilling your desire. So if you, my friends, can contemplate on that, believe me, it will help a lot, a huge amount. If you are watching this on Facebook, make sure you know that we have uh, podcasts available, audio-only podcasts on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, everywhere that you get your podcasts. You can uh, download these and listen to them in your car if you don't want to be attached to Facebook while you're watching them. If you're listening to the audio-only podcasts, you can see the videos. Uh, meet the doctor on Facebook at uh, the Gita Memoirs of a Psychiatrist on Facebook. And, leave and I comments. welcome your questions. Yeah, questions and comments there. Thank you very much, friends, and we'll see you again next time.